0: Your parents know that you listen to the evil rock music. You're an American teenager, for God's sake. Welcome to Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. I'm Melissa Olson. Episode 109, Are You My Boyfriend? Today we'll discuss the soundtrack of Season 1, Episode 9, Rory's Dance. And we'll welcome back for the second time, filmmaker and Gilmore novice, Corey Sheldon. We'll finish the episode with the weekly segment, Spinning in Stars Hollow. So pour yourself another cup of coffee, it's time for Gilmore Girls soundtrack. a few years younger than Rory Gilmore, and I have to say, the music her school played at dances was much more hip than what was played at mine. Granted, Rory attended a very expensive private school, and I went to a public school in suburban Ohio. However, considering the history of music, and particularly punk and rock and roll in the region of Ohio where I grew up, it'd be easy to assume most of the college alternative radio station tracks making heavy rotation at the time would have made their way onto the playlists at our formals. Unfortunately for my classmates and I, the music at our dances almost exclusively consisted of top 20 billboard hits, generic boy band ballads, and the most expected one-hit wonders from the 70s and 80s. I never remember hearing the Jesus and Mary Jane or even back at my high school dances. I mean, Rory Gilmore did live a pretty magical life, so why wouldn't that extend to her school dance? It does seem funny, though, since Rory's expectations for her formal are a very accurate description of every experience I had with formals, excluding my senior prom. Trust me, I'll hate it. It'll be stuffy and boring, and the music will suck, and since none of the kids at school like me, I'll be standing in the back listening to 98 Degrees, watching Tristan and Paris argue over which one of them gets to make me miserable first. Okay. Or it'll be all sparkly and exciting, and you'll be standing on the dance floor listening to Tom Waits with some great looking guy staring at you so hard that you don't even realize that Paris and Tristan have just been eaten by bears. Episode 9 has a lot of tracks to get through, including a really amazing soundtrack to Rory's first formal at Chilton. Let's get started with We're All Light from XTC. This song plays as Rory and Dean arrive at the Chilton Winter Formal, which is not only taking place in an amazingly gorgeous historical building, but is also being DJed by someone who really takes pride in the work. Let's be honest, we all know Amy Sherman Palladino is the real DJ for this and all episodes of Gilmore Girls, but for this episode, she outdoes herself. This is the second time we hear XTC on the series. As you may recall, Lane was excited to listen to Apple Venus Volume 2 during the second episode as Lorelei painted Rory's toenails in preparation for her first day at Chilton. This song, We're All Light, is also from Apple Venus Volume 2. Therefore, this is our second time hearing XTC as the soundtrack for a first time event. This time for Rory's entrance to her very first formal. Next up, we hear Fade Into You from Mazzy Starr. This is the first slow song at the dance, and the first song Rory and Dean danced to. Mazzy Starr, formed in Santa Monica, California, reached a new level of success with this single, which appeared on their second studio album, So Tonight That I Might See, released in October
1: 1993.
0: Fade Into You was Mazzy Starr's only single to make it onto the Billboard Hot 100, peaking at 44 and staying on the charts for 20 weeks.
1: I look to you to see the truth With your life, you shadow
0: This is one of my favorite musical moments of the entire series and has always been one of the best of all of the Team Dean moments. This is not meant to imply that I am by any means Team Dean, but this moment is entirely adorable and a beautiful image of teenage romance. Next up, we have Beck with Mixed Business. This song plays as Jacob reintroduces himself to Rory, admitting that he is Paris' cousin and that he'd like to have her number if, as she implies, Dean is not her boyfriend. This song was a fairly underground hit for it to be playing at a dance so close to its release. Mixed Business was the second single from the 1999 album Midnight Vultures and spent five weeks on Billboard's alternative chart, peaking at 36. Since I brought it up, Now seems like a good time to clear up some confusion on the whole charting thing. The alternative chart is not the same as Billboard's Hot 100, the Hot 100 being the most commonly referenced chart in America. The Billboard Hot 100 has been in existence since 1958. The chart ranks the most popular songs in the United States based upon radio audience, digital sales, and physical single sales. The Alternative Songs chart first appeared in Billboard magazine in September 1988. Formerly known as Modern Rock Tracks and Hot Modern Rock Tracks, it was renamed Alternative Songs beginning with the June 20, 2009 issue of Billboard. It lists the 40 most played songs on modern rock radio stations, most of which are alternative rock songs. The Alternative chart was created as a companion to the mainstream rock chart due to the explosion of alternative music on American radio in the late 1980s. The Alternatives chart is based solely on radio airplay, as opposed to the more comprehensive data set for the Hot 100. More than 80 radio stations are electronically monitored 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and songs are ranked by a calculation of the total number of spins per week, with its audience impression. Next up is Sometimes Always by Scottish alternative rock group, the Jesus and Mary chain. Interestingly, this track from Jesus and Mary Chain includes guest vocals from Hope Sandoval, who we just heard singing Fade Into You from the band Mazzy Star earlier in this episode. Clearly, whoever was DJing this formal had a serious crush on Hope and her always dreamy vocals. During early performances, the Jesus and Mary chain were known to play very short sets with their backs to the audience, often under the influence of amphetamines. Many times this would result in violence and rioting at their shows. This is an interesting connection as the song is the soundtrack to both Paris' confrontation of Rory about Jacob's true identity and the fight between Tristan and Dean. What the hell do you think you're doing? You will not push me again. Are you seriously trying to act tough? You're wearing a tie, for God's sake. Outside, now. I'm not fighting you. It'd be like fighting an accountant. I'll call you when I need my taxes done. You don't want to fight me, Tristan. Why not? Because I'll kill you, idiots. Come on, Rory. I will not come near her ever again. After the dance, Rory and Dean are seen walking through the town square of Stars Hollow to 13 from Tennessee rock band Big Star.
1: will you let me walk you home from school? Won't you let me meet you at the
0: Rolling Stone once described Thirteen as one of Rock's most beautiful celebrations of adolescence, which is quite appropriate since it serves as the soundtrack to Rory stumbling over her words and finally asking Dean if he is her boyfriend. This lovely and innocent song pairs perfectly with what is possibly the sweetest start to any of Rory's serious relationships throughout the series. Unless you count Marty, but I'm getting ahead of myself.
1: Won't you tell your dad, get off? Back.
0: I can definitely relate to being uncertain of my own relationship status, which I feel has only gotten more confusing and complicated since this episode aired in 2000. I had a similar conversation with my boyfriend a few weeks into our relationship to make sure we were on the same page. We hadn't gone to a formal together, but it felt like he was my boyfriend. So, like Rory, I just had to make sure. Now,
1: you.
0: Speaking of my boyfriend, my guest this week is Corey Sheldon, who you may remember from the first episode of this podcast. As you may have guessed, Corey is my boyfriend. I neglected to make that clear in the first episode, possibly because I didn't want my listeners to feel like this was going to devolve into a conversation about me trying to convince my boyfriend of the merits of my all-time favorite show. In any case, he's happy to be back and has kept up with his weekly viewing of Gilmore Girls. Corey's had a lot of jobs. He worked at a video store, he was a tire designer, a mailman, even a tennis instructor but he hasn't had as many jobs as Kirk. Most recently, he's known as a filmmaker. Here's Corey.
1: It actually was a nice treat to see in the, the dance scene of of this episode the mixture of having a Jesus and Mary Chain song and a Mazzy Star song, which to some people, that may just seem a coincidence or just two bands that were around generally in the same time. But for me, they have a very strong connection. There was... One of the first concerts, I think, that I really remember going to in November 94. And Mazzy Star opened, and then Jesus Mary Chain played second. And it was during the time where they had the song that they played as a duet. And and before the concert, I remember hearing the song sometimes always on the radio. It was getting pretty good play right around the time that that concert was coming up. I wouldn't say i was a huge music fan at the time so for me to even recognize and pick up on that coming into the concert made it exciting like i was somehow becoming a part of some kind of group or collection or culture that i was not as familiar with or a little bit new to and knowing that both those bands were playing mazzy star and jesus and mary chain you were hoping and maybe of course when the song finally came out and you saw Hope Sandoval after she had left. And then Jesus and Mary Chang comes out, you know, her very sort of uh, melancholy stage presence sort of scoot out on stage and everyone, of course, lost their minds. And it was great. It was a beautiful song. They both stood a little bit of a distance apart in a way that maybe created some, you know, kind of a bittersweet tension to the audience on stage, whether that was intended or not. I think when you see bands tour, because sometimes, you know, bands will have guest artists sing But of course, because of scheduling and whatnot, it's probably quite rare to catch them actually performing that together on stage. So when they were playing together, you know, you were going to see something that you very well may never be able to see ever again. So when they came on, I think it's uh, you get that kind of Christmas morning tingling sensation when they came on stage and you just wanted to, you know, just really shut up and listen and kind of sear that into your brain. So you never forgot a moment that would seem uh, really special for the time. I can imagine that maybe someone who would have been listening to this music when they were in high school or in college would maybe be a young teacher at this school and would have chosen the music, and perhaps that is how a song like this uh, could have made it in. And "Mazzy Stars Fade Into You," considering a lot of you know music in any era that can be popular, you know, it either stands the test of time or it feels very encapsulated in that era of which the music came out, that time that it came out. And I think Fade Into You is a song that it feels pretty timeless. I mean, I think it's a song that most everybody likes and it it never really seems to sound old. It's a very transcendent, shoegazy kind of song. I think the song 13 by Big Star The way that it's integrated inside of that scene is a really nice example because it's a lyrical song. I mean, there's lyrics going on the whole time. If you look at them, they apply to the scene, but that's often a good sign of great music and that it helps to make the scene so much better. It doesn't distract you from what's going on. And they're having a conversation the whole time. So obviously you want the, the audience to be paying attention to the words between the characters, not the lyrics of the song, but you want... The music, and even if there are lyrics, to influence and and help fortify what the what's going through in the scene and what's happening between between the characters. Uh, but most of the time, you want your music to really drive the tone or emotional state of a scene. And it's not really giving you a lot of information per se, but it's really sort of just driving, pushing sort of the emotions of the audience know, you're always trying to balance something that will enhance the scene, maybe even by using something that's recognizable and something that has some kind of appeal or identity or can can conjure up something outside of the show, but will complement the scene without taking over the scene. It, they play it quite low in the scene. You can almost don't even notice that it's it's playing. But that if you were to take it out, you would notice. And I think sometimes that's and moments, especially scenes like that. That's exactly what you want. You want music that you can use that you don't notice it's there, but you would definitely notice if it was gone.
0: It's time again for Spinning in Stars Hollow, where I give weekly recommendations for songs you may enjoy based on music we heard in this episode. You can always find these songs on the Spinning in Stars Hollow playlist in the show notes for each episode at GilmoreGirlsSoundtrack.com. Today, we start with another song from XTC, their only US charting single, Mayor of Simpleton. Mayor of Simpleton spent six weeks on the Billboard Hot 100, peaking at 72. This would be XTC's only time charting in the United States, though they did have several charting singles in other parts of the world. Their albums often received higher critical acclaim than their record sales would indicate, and as a result, the band is noted today as one of the greatest lost pop bands. For those who enjoy the Jesus and Mary chain, I suggest My Bloody Valentine's, Sometimes. Sometimes comes from My Bloody Valentine's 1991 album, Loveless which was recorded over a two-year period between 1989 and 1991. The band moved through 19 different studios and an even higher number of engineers during the album's creation due to Kevin Shields looking for a very particular sound and using unorthodox recording practices including sampled feedback and intentionally distorted vocals. At the time of the release, the album received enthusiastic critical acclaim, but did not achieve matching commercial success. connection to this episode, Kalimo Kasig, a founding member and drummer of My Bloody Valentine, spent a significant amount of time during the band's long hiatus writing with the former singer of Mazzy Star on a project called Hope Sandoval and the Warm Intentions, for which he has co-written, produced, and played various instruments on several albums. For fans of Mazzy Star, I offer The Staves, an English acoustic folk rock trio of sisters. Their vocals have an effect similar to Hope Sandoval, shimmery and haunting, especially when harmonizing with each other.
1: Sleeping in a car.
0: sleeping in a car comes from an ep of the same name and came out in may of this year it acts as a follow-up to the band's second full-length album if i was released in march of 2015 which was produced by justin vernon of Vare.
1: I'm just good like that I thought that's what she wanted
0: I'm Melissa Olson thank you for joining me this week for Gilmore Girls Soundtrack to read the show notes visit GilmoreGirlsSoundtrack.com this podcast is now available on iTunes with all the past episodes at your fingertips and new episodes arriving weekly it's easy to find and enjoy Gilmore Girls Soundtrack on your iPhone iPad or computer be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes so you never miss an episode for more information, check out gilmargirlssoundtrack.com. Until next week, stay caffeinated, my friends.